But at this point, I'm pretty sure you all know who the last two teams are going to be. Um, especially now, if you're listening to this episode, you should know who the number two team is. But before we get into that, I really would like to know how you guys, you know, enjoyed this podcast so far. Uh, if you've been listening from episode one, then you would know we are going on day thir- day 14 of continuous podcast been dropping podcasts every day i did that intentionally leading up to the college football season just wanted to build a nice foundation of episodes um before the season started i noticed how everyone was doing their previews and they were mainly doing their previews based on the conference doing weekly uh by week uh two and two and one week episodes and you know i've seen the opportunity to say you know what why not just drop one every day for 15 days straight and see what happens and after this after we release the number one the 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 number one team episode then we're going to go to a more of a weekly type thing um that's when we're going to start doing it uh once a week haven't decided which day yet um you'll find out on the next podcast which day it will be uh it will be released more than likely it's either going to be sunday or monday uh one of the two haven't haven't really decided yet but definitely going to be sunday or monday but yeah just i I really want to know how you guys felt about this and how'd you like the format how did you like the whole sound of the of the podcast and how did how do you like me as a host am i entertaining enough you know just leave your comments uh really give me a serious critique let me know what what i can do better uh, how I can make this podcast better um, because I really am proud of myself for not only delivering this to you guys for 15 days straight but just putting in the work doing the research I haven't really done extensive research like this in in a while so it felt good to get back into the swing of things but yeah so make sure you know you leave a comment and, and just let me know what you really think about the podcast uh the weekend podcast we're gonna have other podcasts coming later on down the line which i will be releasing news and information on as the days go by but yeah so really appreciate everyone that's listening and if you guys did that for me but now let's get into the episode now let's get into the fun part just had to get that out the way real quick this is your host kendall hilton you can follow me on twitter instagram like my page on facebook Type my name in the search bar. You'll see a good-looking brother with a bucket hat on. Good-looking dark-skinned brother with a bucket hat on. Sorry about that. That'll be me. If you don't see that, K-N-D-L-L-H on Instagram. K-N-D-L-L-0 on Twitter. And also, check out the most important thing that I have going right now. is Patreon.com. Make sure you check that out. Uh, Become a subscriber. $3 a month. You will be a lifetime subscriber. The first 100 people will be a lifetime subscriber at $3 a month. Never will that subscription price go up. Never will it go down. Never will it change. It will be like that forever. And like I say in each episode, this is a long-term play. Patreon is a long-term play. So if you sign up now, I'm trying to tell you, you're going to be happy you did it in the long run. So make sure you go in there and sign up. And if you haven't been listening, let's give you a quick rundown of the Fan I-15, my personal rankings, my top 15 teams in the country to start the season off. Uh, At 15, we have Penn State. At 14, we have Washington. At 13, we have UCF. At 12, we have LSU. 
At 11, we have Florida. At 10, we have Texas A&M. At number 9, we have Texas. At number 8, we have Oregon. At number 7, we have Michigan. At number 6, we have Notre Dame. At number 5, we have Ohio State. At number 4, we have Oklahoma. At number 3, we have Georgia. And at number 2, coming in at number 2, is the Alabama Crimson Tide. Last year, the Crimson Tide finished their season 14-1. and They took a, a, a ass-whooping. It's no, <laughs> it's no other way for me to put it. They took a straight ass-whooping in the championship game to Clemson, losing 44-16. Probably, that actually, that was the worst loss in Nick Saban's era. Uh, Nick Saban is going into his 13th year at at Alabama, his 25th, 24th year uh, as a head in in college football. He has a 40, a 90 and 14 record versus the SEC. He's 21 and five versus power five conference teams, 31 and 10 versus top 10 teams. But the one ranking that everyone's going to be talking about this year, he's two and three versus Dabo Sweeney. So <laughs> everything else above, you know, it's nice to say, but when you get to that two and three versus Dabo, it's like, huh, you know, it's, it's, you know, throwing the little chinks in the armor. That's all it really is. But uh, last year they averaged 45 points a game, only allowing 18 points. Um, the 45 points they allowed was the most in Nick Saban's era, uh, thanks to a, a, a more wide open offense and arguably the best quarterback he's ever coached, but we're going to get into that. Um, yeah, so the Crimson Tide, you know, that this is on par. Everything's on par uh, except for the championship loss. Other than that, this is pretty much business as usual. That's usually the term I, I use to describe the Crimson Tide, you know, just business. <laughs> Even when they lose a, a, a boatload of players, they got another boatload of players coming in, so. Let's jump into this roster and really break down and see how how dominant they will be this upcoming uh, college football season. Tua Tagovailoa will lead this offense once again. Of course, he's looked at as one of the best quarterbacks, if not the best quarterback in college football this year. He will be compared to Trevor Lawrence pretty much the entire season. That's going to be a running theme all season, and rightfully so. Uh, both are leading the best teams, overall teams in college football. Right now, Trevor Lawrence has the edge because the way he outperformed Tua, both came in as is a uh, hot freshman. So uh, Tua is a junior, while uh, Trevor will be the sophomore. But Tua is going to go down in history as probably the best quarterback to ever play at Bama. He broke the single season passing record last year with his. Uh, 3,966 yards, 40, 43 touchdowns, just stupid numbers, numbers that they've never really seen at Bama, especially in the Nick Saban era. Um, I already say he's the best quarterback Saban's ever coached. Not sure if he'll be able to catch uh, A.J. McCarron, who's a passing leader. Uh, A.J. McCarron has 9,019 9, yards. Tour will have to pass for over 4,000 yards um, between this season and the next season. Not sure if he's going to want to after after he has a stellar season this year. The NFL is going to come calling. But even even without the all-time passing record at at, uh, at Bama, he's still going to go down as the best quarterback in Bama history. He 
He might even be the first quarterback in Nick Saban's era to win the Heisman. You know, at Mark Ingram, Derrick Henry, they were running backs when they won it, but uh, Saban's never had a quarterback to win it, and uh, Tua has a great chance at being the first, came in second last year. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how well and how hot he comes out, even even not having Jalen Hurts. That pressure of having a, a solid backup behind you, um, not to say the backups that they have aren't solid, but just to have that, you know, that clarity and that certainty that you're going to be the starter unless some unforeseen injury comes along. But I like Tua. I think he's a great quarterback. I think he will be. I think he will have a Heisman caliber season. I think he can win the Heisman over Trevor Lawrence. Um, Trevor Lawrence is going to hit, get hit with the sophomore slump. Um, I thought, I'm a firm believer once they get that film on you, once they can sit and really examine your game for a whole season, things change. So Tua's experience is going to give him the edge, in my opinion, when it does come down to that to that conversation. And I'm sure he wants to play Clemson. I'm sure he he wants Clemson to go undefeated, make sure get into the to the national championship game, so he can be the one to to knock them off at the end. So I, I know he still thinks about that championship game from last year a lot. Around him, he will have a couple running backs: Najee Harris, who will be returning from last year, and Trey Sanders, who was uh who's coming in as a high, as the top running back of the 2019 class. Sanders is more of a more of a quick guy, better better receiver than Najee. Najee's more of the ground and pound type of back, a traditional Bama type of back, just beat you down, wear you down. He's 6'2", 227. Uh, Sanders on the other end. Sanders on the other end. He's uh, six, six feet, 214. But uh, he fits a passing game much more than Najee do. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if he got more time than Najee. Um. One thing about Najee this season, it seems like this is going to be the storyline, is whether or not he'll fit the the NBA. The what's up with me in the NBA? Whether or not he'll fit the NFL's culture of you know of a passing style, more of a passing game type of offenses, because he's not that type of back. He's a traditional. He's a he's a workhorse. He's a back you give the ball to thirty times a game and let him beat the wear the defense down. Um, but the game's not like that anymore. So from the few articles I've read, that's pretty much been the the theme. And I think that's going to be the storyline going into this season is how how will he adjust to uh, playing in, in a passing style offense, um, especially this season. Now that he's the top dog, you know, last year he played behind Damian Harris and Josh Jacobs uh, still ended up with. 783 yards, four touchdowns, but this time he'll be the top guy. So, but I wouldn't be surprised if Trey Sanders got more time. It's just he fits that offense. He's more of a he's more he he's more of a back that is explosive and can turn the game in one play. Najee, on the other hand, is uh he has to work to his big play. So, curious to see how that work out for that for that back backfield on the receivers they this is probably the best receiving group in the country uh jerry judy comes back after being a first team all-american they also have uh jalen jaden waddle who is a second team all sec player henry ruggs who is third team all sec and uh Devontae smith who finished with 
10 starts, 693 yards last season. They've been talking about running a formation called Red, which is going to have one running back and four receivers, zero tight ends. And this is another reason why I think Trey Sanders is going to get a lot more time than Najee Harris, especially in that formation. Um, it's just going to be a bunch of speed and playmakers on the field, and Tua is going to be handling the ball, slinging it around all over the field. That's going to be a fun, fun, fun offense to watch. This wide receiver group, like I said, is the best in the country. It's, 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 I can go on and give you the numbers and give you the stats, but just how I listed them just now, you got an All-American, you have two All-SEC players, and then you have another player who started 10 games last year. They they have the experience, and they have the numbers and the, and the production. So Nick Saban really, really is, is uh, changing his style, and I admire that, you know, him being such an old-school type of guy, old-school type of coach, even though he's been in it for, what, almost 25 years now, he's still able to adjust and, and work with the um, the new the new culture that is in football now, with you know, with it being more of a wide open offense. Even though his entire time at Bama, he's relied on bruising type of type of backs and offenses and just simple. Um, this year, I think they're going to really, really with Steve Starkeesian as a as a offensive coordinator. I really think they're going to um push the limits on what they can do as far as offensively. And with these uh with these receivers, the offensive line lose three starters. Um, they only have forty eight career starts coming back combined. Uh, Alex Leatherhead, he's probably the best best guy on the line. He was a second team All SEC at left guard last last year. This year he will be at left tackle. Uh, six six three ten. I remember watching this kid at the U Under Under Armour All American game back in two thousand sixteen, and me and my buddy uh Jason E photos. We were just looking at him like, man, what are they feeding him? He was just so massive, like, as a teenager. <laughs> you know, you could spot him from all the way across three fields. You know, he, he was just so massive. So he's going to be the left tackle this year. Uh, expect him to be an um, a NFL prospect. Uh, the rest of the line, uh, we're just going to have to wait and see how they fare out. Um, they have guys that have played in. Played in games, but nobody, no, no, no real starting experience. So we're gonna have to just wait and see how this, how this offensive line works out. But like I said before, man, when it comes to Bam, it's just business, business as usual, plug and play. Um, they don't, they can lose the entire, they can have, they can come back with a season and have zero returning starters, and I still would pick them to be a top four team. You know, just because of the depth they have and the recruiting that that uh Nick Saban does making sure that his team is always locked and loaded with another guy that can 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 potentially turn into an all-American. It's the same thing with this offensive line. I'm pretty sure majority of these offensive linemen without any research, without me even researching the names, and I did that purposely because I'm like I want to go in here with a blind eye this season just to really see who's going to um how this line is going to step up and play. I knew when I seen Leatherhead's name, I mean, Leatherwood's name, I already knew who he was just because I, I, I got to see him as a teenager, got to talk to him as a teenager. So, But the rest of the line I'm clueless about. Um, That's going to be one of the storylines we pay attention to for the Bama this year. So other than that, this offense, expect them to put up a lot of points, uh, possibly another 40-point 40, 40 season for Nick Saban. 
Um, and, and Tua, like I said, man, he's he, he's going to be a Heisman candidate. Um, possibly my Heisman favorite. So we'll see. On the defensive side of the ball, don't really see much change. You know, they have six starters returning, but not too many eye-popping type of players. Not like how they used to have. Raquan Davis, leads. he'll be the leader on the defensive line, 6'7", 309 pounds. This year, he comes back as a fourth-team All-American from uh, in 2017. Uh, Second-team All-SEC last year. He will lead this defensive line with... Uh, uh, DJ Dale, LeBron Ray, and a few other guys, uh, but they don't have the they don't have the 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 big names like they usually do. Only Davis, who will probably end up being uh, some type of award winner, whether it's the Buckus Award or Benark Award, one of those awards is going to go his way. Um, but yeah, uh, other than Davis, they only have one start, so you know, it, it's going to be tough for the defensive line to to really get themselves and find a way but like the offensive line is business as usual going into the linebacker group uh they had 41 starts returning from last year dylan moses was a first team all-american last year prior to this episode being published dylan moses he has suffered a severe ankle leg injury um and is more than likely out for the rest of the season for the 2000 19 season so the defense will be without Dylan Moses. You also have Anthony Gen- uh, Anthony Gen- Jennings who uh, had 14 starts last year. Um, Joshua McMillan he's possibly going to be a starter. He played in 10 games last year. Um, they also have uh, Dylan Moses. Oh, I already mentioned him. Um, Shaheem Carter who would be the star. Play the star position. Uh, which is like a safety linebacker hybrid type of type of player. He will be returning as a starter. He had 12 starts last year. So, you know, they get, the linebacker group is much more, I would say, experienced and deeper than defensive line, um, just because they got more more players that are notable. Um, they did lose uh, Mac Wilson last year, Christian Miller, and Jamie Mosley, two of which were, were drafted into the NFL. But they got three starters coming back, and their top tackler, which was which was Moses, and um, not too worried about the linebacker group, especially with Nick Saban running the show. Um, he always makes sure, no matter how many linebackers he used, he got another All American coming in. Going over to the secondary, a little bit more suspect. Uh, they lost Deontay Thompson from a year ago. Um, there's that. This was the thing about their their defense last year. The secondary was was woof, and it and it and it showed last year in the championship game, especially because they were without uh, uh, Trayvon Diggs, who was the number one corner on this team. They were were without him last year in the championship game, and they got torched in on the secondary. They got they got torched, and I think that was one of the most underrated things people talked about. And Nick Saban mentioned it. All season long, I actually wrote an article and I wrote a, uh, I did a nice YouTube story about it. And I, you know, I talked about like how all season long he kept hinting at us like 
We're not that good. We're not that good on defense. We're not that good on defense. And we just didn't want to listen. <laughs> Nobody wanted to listen. So when it happened and when we saw it in the championship game, it was like, oh, man, they're really not that good. Like, yeah, he's been saying it all season. So I, I'm curious to see if, if he's going to take that same approach this year. Because it, from week one up until the championship game, he consistently said that that defense was not good, that that secondary was not that great. And this year, it can possibly be the same thing. It, it possibly. But just because they have that great offense, it gives them an opportunity to not only focus more on the offense, but, you know, really test their test their endurance as a football team instead of just beating down on teams and, and getting out. of. I mean, they're still going to do that regardless of who they play. But once they get to those tougher games, it's going to test their endurance and see if they can run with a lot of the other teams like a Clemson, like Ohio State, like a Oklahoma, who who are going to have high scoring offenses. Can they run with them? You know, can they, and I'm I'm I definitely think that this offense can run with any other offense in the country. But the secondary, they have Trayvon Diggs coming back. Uh, another another favorite player, a fan I favorite. Got to interview him a few times when he was in high school. Enjoyed watching him play. He's a I think he's a much better receiver than cornerback, but that's for another uh, conversation. They also had Patrick Sertain, a sophomore. Uh, he played in 11 games last year as a freshman. He was also named to the um, uh, defense uh, freshman team. So he'll be coming back. A lot of people are high on him. Sertain, he's also the son of Patrick Sertain, senior all-pro cornerback, and played in the NFL. And Xavier McKinney, who was third in, in tackles at free safety, he will be returning this year, playing in uh, uh, 15 starts just a year ago. So the the secondary has a, a good group of guys that have the chemistry already won, that are very athletic, that can move, that can make plays with the ball, that can make plays on the ball. Um, so physical also, all, all of them, they naturally are physical. So I think the I think the secondary will be better this year, but you know I I'm not sure. Like I think Saban kind of like now is looking. He's starting to pay attention more into the offense because he's finally got a quarterback that can do some things. So I think last year he kind of took his eye took his eye off the prize when it comes to the defense and just said, you know what, I'm gonna make sure this offense can score because if we can outscore teams, we'll be good enough to make a few stops. And I felt like that's how. He, that that's where his his mindset was at, you know, that he thought that they were good enough to get the stops that they needed to get, which I I agree. I I've with that talent, with that roster, you should be good enough to make the stops, and especially when your offense is scoring forty points a game for the first time in your career, at at that school. Yeah, I, I don't blame Saban for that. If that is the case, that's just me speculating. Um, I could be wrong, but that's just a a a, a, a observation of mine. But, um, yeah, the defense, I don't think they're going to be better than the offense. I don't think they're going to be worse than what they were last year, but I won't be surprised if they are still, if they still struggle a little bit just because they got, got, they got starters coming back, but not enough to where I think it can make a greater impact and where they can become the dominant Bama defense that we're used to. I think they're still going to struggle. I think they're going to still allow. I think this year they'll probably allow over 20 points, but we'll see. And we'll get into more of that uh, once we go over 
the schedule, which is next. Actually, let's let's jump right to the schedule. So on to my favorite part of the show, the schedule. Let's get to it. Uh, Bama. You know, what's funny. When you look at all the other SEC teams schedule, strength of schedule. It's, the ranking is high. They're like somewhere in top 10. I think every team that we mentioned their, their uh, rank uh, rank of strength of schedule, they've been like top 15 or top 20. And when we get to Bama, they, their strength of schedule is 44. Like what? How is the best team in the league in the conference has probably the weakest schedule out of everybody? <laughs> uh, but let's let's get into the schedule. August 31st. They will take on Duke. That's just a couple days away. Um, they are 17. They've won 17 straight regular season, uh, regular season openers, um, 44 straight consecutive regular season non-conference games. So, and this is a this. I don't know why Duke took this game, but this is a also a neutral site game, which will be in Atlanta. Good luck, Duke. Good luck with that one. I, I commend I commend the the uh the um, fearlessness though, you know, to take on Big Bad Bam in the beginning of the season. That way that's a that's the way to get ready for the rest of the season. September seventh, they take on New Mexico State. That should be a W. That's a home game. Uh September fourteenth, they're at South Carolina. Don't see this being a struggle for them. Uh, might be a cool game to watch just to uh see just for the atmosphere, you know. Bama on the road always creates a great atmosphere. Uh, after South Carolina, September 21st, they take on Southern Mississippi. Uh, another easy win. Um, then they take on the other Mississippi team, September 28th. Ole Miss at home. If this was five, six years ago, I would say this would be a great game to watch. But but this isn't the same Ole Miss team that was knocking off Bama at home and away. So don't, don't expect too much from this game. October 5th, they will go into their bye week. And then October 12th, coming out of the bye week, they will take on Texas A&M, traveling to College Station. That That's a trap game. That's definitely a trap game. Pretty sure it's going to be a night game under the lights. Texas A&M with, with uh, Jimbo Fisher, he's going to make sure this team is ready. Not sure if they can beat them, but they are in my top 15, so they are worthy of, of, of getting a nod to be victorious in this game, but... Uh, I, I just believe that the atmosphere is probably going to get to the defense. And I think Texas A&M offense is going to take advantage of just the the momentum that can be created from that, from that raucous crowd, from that 12-man crowd. So uh, that's a trap game for, for Bama, October 12th at Texas A&M. Uh, October 19th, they go back home to take on Tennessee. Uh, followed by Arkansas on October 26th. Another bye week, November 2nd. Then November 9th, LSU. Uh, now, people are saying LSU can possibly beat the beat Bama this year, but we've been saying that for like the last four years, so I'll believe it when I see it. LSU just offensively, they're not ready yet. They will have a more wide-open offense this season, this go-around. Uh, they have a new offensive uh, guru within the staff that worked with the Saints a year ago. So they're going to be implement- implementing a more spread-type offense, and it's going to be interesting to see how they use that against uh, Bama's defense. Uh, November 16th, they travel to Mississippi State. Uh, that, that was, that's going to be a tough one. I expect that game also to be under the lights. 
not going to give it a trap game. Not not yet. Maybe maybe later on in the season. Um, but right now, no, it is not a trap game. And then they finish the season, finish the home, finish their last home game in uh, November 23rd against Western Carolina. Not even going to dive into that one. And then November 30th at Auburn. For the Iron Bowl. Haven't really sat down and examined I, I, uh, Auburn's roster yet. Uh, skimmed through it, but didn't really dive deep into it. So I'm not really going to give a great breakdown or analysis on, on the preview of this game. Um, I'm going to just say it's a rivalry game, which means anything can happen. And they're on the road. So we'll see. I only see maybe one loss. Maybe. But I think this is a, a schedule where... Uh, Bama can run through it like they've done in years previous. That October 12th game against Texas A&M on the road is going to be tough. Also, that that road game against Auburn. But I, I see them walking out of, walking out with, with the Ws. I think the two teams, Texas A&M and Auburn, are going to find a way to beat themselves and, and give opportunities to Bama to prove why they are one of the best teams in the country. So only one loss for me on this Bama schedule. Um, but more than likely, they're going to finish undefeated walking into the SEC championship game, possibly against uh, Georgia. My overall stance on Bama is they'll finish undefeated. They will be a a top two team in the college football um, playoffs. Um, But things to watch, of course, the offensive line and the defense. Will this defense be worse? better or the same um those are my two storylines to really watch of course tour of course the wide receiver groups and the red offense but two things that you know we that are very uncertain right now that doesn't that lacks the clarity for me is the offensive line and the defense so those are the two things i'm gonna be watching this year when it comes to bama Uh, other than that thank you once again for tuning into the weekend podcast I am so thrilled, excuse me, I'm so thrilled that we are here one episode away, one day away from the college football um, season. Um, Thank you for embarking on this 15 straight days of listening to me ramble about teams and and college football. Uh, I appreciate every listener that has tuned in so far. I appreciate every listener that's going to continue to tune in so far. Uh, make sure you go to patreon.com slash khilton become a subscri- subscriber three dollars a month we're going to start doing some more exclusive content on there as the season go along probably do some watch alongs um, pick a game of the week where you know i live stream watching the game giving my commentary during the game we're going to do stuff like that um, but you got to sign up i'm only going to do it for my patrons just to give them more of a better ex- experience more uh, uh you know Fan our sports motto has always been the perfect fan experience. So that's what I'm all about. Um, of course, we're gonna have a lot of storytelling things on there. A lot of if so, if you if you're a fan of like sports stories, fictional stories, definitely gonna have a bunch of that stuff on there. Just sign up, man. It's gonna be a lot of dope things coming out within the next two to three years coming out of um, my laboratory and the fan our laboratory. Uh, so yeah, sign up. Three dollars a month. Subscribe now. I appreciate every subscriber. I appreciate every listener. I appreciate every follower and every person that has interest in what I'm doing and that wants to see me grow and build and continue to do this thing. So I appreciate all y'all. Thank you for listening. Like I end every episode, live life like the weekend. I'm out.